Hey Bryce, this weekend I've been playing Paper Mario Origami King and it's just fantastic and I've actually taken up origami. Uh, do you mind if I fold you into something quite nice? Alright mate, you can test your skills out on me and let's go. Oh thanks man. Ta-da, you are a beautiful swan. Oh, it's magnificent. I feel those wings upon my breast. Ooh. Oh, do one of me, man. All right. Mate, I have turned you into a beautiful sunflower. Oh, God, I'm beautiful. Delicious. <laughs> oh, let me do another one on you. You're now a beautiful little puppy dog. Aren't you cute? I thought it was a bit strange. I had a... Uh Penchant for bones right about now. Um, all right, mate. Uh, I'm going to try one more on you. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Shit. Oh, oh shit. I'm sorry, mate. Oh, my leg. You ripped off my leg. Oh, my God. Oh. Do we take you to friggin' medical for this? Oh, yes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 151 are open. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about our week end with Super Mario um, Origami King. Well, Paper Mario Origami King. I just buggered that up. Um, a surprise mini Nintendo Direct and Reggie's new position at Rogue Games. And to discuss all of that is my co-host Bryce DeWitt. How you going, mate? Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good. Just so doing a jig here. Yeah, you're doing a jig, me. but no one can see except for me. So this is like my own personal little, yeah, it's little, great, isn't little it? show. It's yeah, quite yeah. wonderful. Yeah, you don't even have to pay. Oh. Yeah, just like the podcast, which is great. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, says Bryce. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh... <laughs> Press the play button, like and subscribe. Do a backflip. Uh, Eat a chowder. Yeah, you know, just just the general thing. You, what everybody does, backflipping while eating chowder. You, you, you got it sometimes. Yeah. So, bro, tasty mate. How, how have you been this week, man? What's been going on? Oh uh, yeah, you know, just busy. Busy. Cool. Busy. Very busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the uh, Paper Mario being out, and then work, and then you know, the general. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, it's been it's been a, actually a quite good weekend being able to um, get into a new Nintendo game. It's been quite a while since that. Well, it's been since Animal Crossing where we've got a pretty major uh, Nintendo release. So that's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. And that was back. Shit. March. Yeah. Twenty. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> long time ago. Been a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. What are we on? July. So four months ago. <laughs> Yeah. We're just we're just coming to the sudden realization just... right now. Like, holy shit, it's <laughs> yeah. been that long. Well, yeah, because I mean, I was thinking about it today. I'm like, holy crap, this year has gone by so fast, thanks to COVID and all that crap. Like, we've just been through a major economic crisis with bushfires, and now we're riddled with disease. So, mm. yeah, it's just uh, flown by really quick. It has. It's been yeah. a disastrous 2020. Everybody was like, 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> it's not anybody's year this year. Wow. No way in hell. Ma- except for maybe major companies making a profit off of masks, I guess. <laughs> well, and sanitizer, you know. I remember there was one company in Australia. It was like a gin distillery. Yeah. And they were trying to make a profit <laughs> off uh, making hand sanitizer, but they were doing it unlawfully. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't like hospital grade, like 
the right percentage of alcohol or anything like that. They so. just took the pure alcohol from the silo and said, ship it without uh, actually <laughs> actually making it into gin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and they got a they got in a lot of uh, shit for that. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't making a profit off their gin, so they tried to make sanitizer instead and did it wrong. You gotta do what you gotta do. Oh well, it was pretty stupid of them to do it, mm. to be completely honest. So yeah. Yeah. Got them in a lot of shit. Yeah. I'm not a big gin fan, but um, at the pub I work at, they got a gin bar and they actually got in like a mulberry flavor and it's actually quite nice. So have you tried any of the uh, Shiraz ones? No, I haven't. I don't get, I, I don't understand. Shiraz gin. Mm. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand why they make uh, wine barrel anything. They do it with whiskeys as well. I don't really get it. I have no idea why they do it. They put them in like already used wine barrels, give them a bit of a soak up of the oak and the mm. Shiraz, you know, type of thing. I'll never understand it. Right. Makes no sense. I, I don't know. Like if I'm going to drink wine, I might as well drink wine. I don't want wine tinged out like spirits. Kind of strange to me. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we're just here drinking our furphy, so we uh, <laughs> we don't venture into our Shiraz gin too often no. here at the House of Mario. But I'll, I'll pass on that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So before we jump into sort of our first impressions, or I guess uh, the first weekend with uh, uh, Paper Mario Origami Pepe King, I want to bring up uh, a new iTunes re- review we got, and this is from Metadox, who is a long-running, good, awesome friend of the show. So thank you very much. And it's a five-star review and the title is Certificate. It's a bit creative, so uh, strap in. So the review reads, League trainers Drew and Bryce, we hereby uh, certify your achievement of completing 150 episodes of The House of Mario. May this accomplishment be celebrated by all. And uh, visit our headquarters in uh, Sir Chester to receive your ratings charm. So a bit of a a nod to Generation 5 of Pokemon there, which is... uh, as we know, is his favourite Pokemon game, his first Pokemon game. So thank you very much to, to Metadox for leaving us an iTunes review or Apple Podcast review. I have a question. Yes, yes. Um, if if the uh, ratings charm is uh, double the chance Ooh, of ratings, yeah. Yeah, does that mean we'll be getting more ratings? Maybe it does. Like I know mm. it's only like the shiny charm and the mark charm in Pokemon Sword and Shield. It, it ups it a little bit. It adds, a, um, I think, two, two, so it's three instead of one chance out of whatever the percentage is. So, you know, there'll be a bit more. Hopefully we get a few more Apple Podcast reviews because of that. All right, yeah. yeah we have to go and get it, though. We haven't got it yet. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We haven't gone to Surchester to go and get it yet. <laughs> so, Beautiful. So, yeah. Um, so leaving an Apple Podcast re- review really helps out the show, um, helps us chart in different uh, territories. Um, last week we charted in Great Britain, and also since then we've charted in Mexico. So that's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. And just uh, going off of episode 150, I just want to thank everybody that listened to the show and tuned in live. It was a great fun to do, even though um, during the show I got stressed out because I spilt some stuff on, <laughs> spilt my drink on my expensive gear. Which, yes, uh, you did. Which, holy shit, gave me a heart attack. Oh, it would have gave me a heart attack. Because like in my headphones, my headphones just like went mute as soon yeah. as it spilt. I'm like, oh my God, I've fried it. Yeah. Um, but what I did, like afterwards, I turned it off, turned it back on, and it was all fine again. Yeah. And I actually had a look around the the unit, and it was just like a bit of sticky on it. None of it got into like the crevices for the the dials or anything. So very lucky. Yeah. You can sort of see here that like nothing can really get in there. Um, really, because it's just got like the plastic slip there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Bryson say, no one can <laughs> say you've done it here, but yeah, very very thankful for that. And I just want to uh, I just want to put it out there that sort of over the last three years, uh, doing the show has just been so much fun, and it's been one of our big passions since starting. Like it's something we're really excited to push forward and. I feel like over the past three years, you know, getting the artwork to where it needs to be and getting the audio quality to where it needs to be and everything, it's uh, it really is a product now that I'm quite proud of. And yeah. I know that we will never stop learning, we'll never stop improving as podcasters, but um, where we are now, I feel yeah, quite happy with it is. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree. And I mean, it has been three years of learning. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Like we started from literally nothing. We a lot of podcasts, they start off after maybe having a successful YouTube channel or they partner with the ABC and the ABC pushes them or like, you know, there's there's just multiple avenues to sort of grow in the podcast community. But um, I guess we sort of done it like this was our first time really yeah. getting into it, anything like this and sticking with it, 150 episodes. I, you know, I know it sounds weird, but I, I'm really proud of myself. From starting from, the, bo- from the bottom, yeah. you know, we've done, I, I'd like to think we've done a pretty damn good job. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of people that start podcasts. Not not all of them get to where, you know, they are now. Mm. So, to see we're at 150 episodes, that's that's crowning achievement. You know? Yeah, and it's only by the time we get to 500, 500, like 500. All right, we, we get to 500. <laughs> Let's think about 200. No, just just wait, just wait. If we get to 500, like just think about that. Think about like when we started the show, and it was like all the way back three years ago, from like now. Mm. And we started off with an iPad and blue snowball. Yeah. And like now we have the uh, Rode. We've got a MacBook for recording. We've got two beautiful microphones. Uh, and we have an audience that we love. Absolutely. You know, yeah. That, that's It's a huge, huge step up from where we started. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in, in saying that, like, uh, I guess how, you know, I guess proud we are of sort of how far we've come. Um, I guess in the last year, so like since we started, we were gradually growing, like gaining people as as we go. But in the last sort of year, I guess that sort of growth has really become quite stagnant. And I, I just want to, I'm going to share with you guys some of our uh, stats on or for the podcast, because I know like stats for podcasts can be quite like a taboo. Um, it's gone traded like someone's bank account. You don't go around saying how much money you got in your bank account because it's just like personal information. And it is kind of weird that podcasts are treated like that um, because like on other platforms like YouTube and that, the, the stats are right there. You can go to someone's video and go, oh, yeah, he's got 2,000 likes or whatever. That's fantastic, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But with podcasts, it's a bit different. So uh, for the most recent episode, 150, we've – let me just get the updated version. So we've got 147 downloads on episode 150. And we're getting sort of a comparable – I guess, uh, download since, I guess, like about a year ago. Mm. And it really does come down to when it comes to growing a podcast, it comes down to like, all right, I'm going to share this on Twitter. I'm going to share it on Facebook. And through sharing it in different groups and that, we've gained uh, followers, like even even our really prominent ones like uh, Jamie Penning and um, Sam, Sam Hay and all of that. Like they came uh, through uh, Nintendo Voice Chat um, Facebook forums. I shared yeah. it in there and they come through there. But there's only so much sharing I can do. Like I can't go around sharing it every, everywhere. Every single person's like, oh, I'm looking for a podcast. Oh, here's our podcast. Like yeah. it, I'm, I'm really not that good at uh, promoting my own stuff. 
Um, I don't really enjoy it. I enjoy doing the actual podcast, but when it comes to social media, I'd rather just keep away. Mm. And I guess for like the last year, apart from updating Twitter most of the time and every now and again when I think about Facebook, I put it there. But apart from that, I really haven't done it. So I guess I'm sort of putting a call out to you guys, the housemates who really do enjoy our podcast, who see value in it for other people. Um, just if you have the time or the means, just go and share it. Share it in a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, because there are a lot of people out there at the moment who are looking for Nintendo content. There are a lot of people out there who are stuck inside, who are you know just hungry for Nintendo content because you know the games aren't coming out that regularly at the moment. Um, so yeah, I've got, I've gotten a few mes- messages recently, like oh, you know, I'm always looking for another Nintendo podcast and all that type of thing, and we're here, we're here, ready for ears to consume us, pretty yeah, much. That's right, yeah. So if anyone out there can do that for us, that would be absolutely amazing. I don't want to be too preachy and too asky, but it's uh, I feel like now with the um, small audience we've got, that is how we're going to grow. It's not going to be me just posting <laughs> posting on Facebook all the time, yeah, because yeah, and look and look at um, when Daniel shared us absolutely in Denmark like that has grown into like its own exponential thing. Yeah, and that's what kind of uh, made me think about this. Like, yeah, he put in a Facebook group, and we got at least five reviews from that. Let alone the people that just decided to listen and not leave a review. For example, yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's grown. Yeah, and yeah. De- Denmark is our fifth uh, most listened country. And it's coming up to, it's approaching 5% of our listener base in Denmark. And it was wow. below 1% before. That's crazy. So it shows you how much of a difference it can make to us in the show. Yeah. And that's going to, this is going to help us grow. It's going to help us, you know, do more streams, do more. We've got more evergreen Nintendo content in the works, uh, videos, merch. We've got like all, all this stuff in our head we want to do. And uh, just growing the show will just help us do that. That's right. Yeah. It, it, um, I don't want to say it gives us motivation more or less than it gives us a reason to do it. You know, like we could, we could go on just doing the podcast as it is for the end of time for what it's worth, you know, like, because that's what we enjoy doing. But um, if the demand comes up for it, you know, we would love to do merch or, you know, whatever have you. And I'm sure, um, you know, we could do all sorts of sort, uh, all sorts of cool things. You know, I, I got people who would like to design stuff for merch that includes myself and friends, you know, and we'd like to be able to sell that kind of thing and sort of just f- progress the podcast, if anything. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're we're ever, like, bound to make, you know, millions of dollars or something off of this. But, like, <laughs> I would love to, like... It's not even it's not even about money no, or making it that. It's, it's not. Just, it's just, uh, just... Especially, like, the last like, episode um, 149 where we talked about... We really, like, went into discussions about making the Nintendo community better. Yeah. And it just really made me like think about like if we imp- like grew and improved our own. Yeah. Be- and like with with the live stream as it was, you know, like yeah. it was fairly fairly bland and whatever and we want to do some stuff and, you know, make it actually look appealing and spend the time and mm. all that to really, really step it up and whether that's anything from like uh, – commissioning people for their art or their work as well uh, to use as assets for us or, you know, whatever, whatever have you. Yeah. Um, I think just how it brought a, a lot of our community together, mm. like uh, mainly just uh, in Australia type of thing because of the, the time restrictions. 
But we had people from Denmark. We had people from the US. We had people from uh, where's uh, uh, Singapore. Um, yeah, DJ called in for a bit, and he's in uh, Singapore at the moment. So just uh, really, really nice to see people coming in. I want to do that more often. I want to do like maybe quarterly live shows where people ring in and really get amongst the community and all that. Yeah, be a positive yeah. force. And I, yeah. I, I would, I would love to see our Twitch, like a, a Twitch channel, done up and like looking. Nice, <laughs> nice, and uh, even even doing things beyond just doing the podcast, whether it be like gameplay or whatever it may be, mm. you know, just doing some fun stuff. Yeah, um, like I haven't talked to you about this at all, but uh, for PAX this year, it's obviously online only, and they're actually putting out, uh, I guess, uh, things so you can do an online panel. I'm like, yeah. that'll be sick. Would you be interested in doing that? That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, so we should look into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's enough on that. Um, let's talk about some video games, Bros. Absolutely. So Paper Mario, the oh, Paper Mario Origami King. I keep on going to say, and the Origami King. But there was actually a tweet from Nintendo UK that says, it actually said like, it's Paper Mario Origami King, not Paper Mario and the Origami King. So I guess a lot of people are saying that. So we spent the weekend playing it. I got I played as much as I possibly could with uh, working all three days, but it's like it's uh, you know it's all right. I got to play it during the night times. I put like maybe like three hours each night, so I'm probably like around the ten hour mark roughly. Um, but before we move on, I just have to say, well, I just want to say that Nintendo Australia actually provided me a code um, to talk about the game on the podcast, and Bryce was also provided the code to uh, review the game for dashgamers.com. Yes, that's correct. So just a bit of a disclaimer out there in case um, you feel like us not buying it sort of makes our opinions worthless. But uh, regardless, I was going to buy the game. I actually have eShop codes yeah. <laughs> ready to go until I actually check my email. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. So Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. It's really nice of them to uh, do that for us. And I would have bought the game anyway for the physical collection. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, it really was just foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. So Bryce, um, let's let's uh, jump into it. What do you think of the game? Um, I'm enjoying it. Yep. And I think uh, you know there was there was a bit of a bit of sour taste in my mouth from Sick, uh, Sticker Star, which was the last thing that I even tried to attempt. Mm. Um, and I think that's the same case with a lot of people, and that's like mostly the concern is that it's not the thousand year door, <laughs> you know. Um, but in saying that, uh, you know, jumping into it, I I knew what to expect. The darker tone at the start was a bit uh, like how you're going in some cases. Yeah, like it, it's 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 for people that are of the older older age group. I suppose it's probably like maybe a little edgy in its own right. But <laughs> and the creepy music and the folding and like everybody becoming like these mindless zombies for the origami army. Yeah, I mean this stuff was in the trailer, but <laughs> it starts off uh, Mario and Luigi are going towards the Mushroom Kingdom in a cart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon that was a really nice touch. Yeah, it's it was, like they're going together, and it was dope. Yeah, yeah. And once you get to the town and go into the the uh, the castle, you're greeted by Origami Peach, and yeah, the, the tone is just like completely shifted. It's really eerie. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool though. I like it. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It's very cool. It's like um, you know, that part of the the cult. Yeah, you know, the cult vibe sort of thing, um, and. I think uh, just overall, like as as the games progressed, I don't know how far you are. How far are you? Um, I'm. I guess I'm at the uh, the second elemental 
Or what, what so I'm just past you. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you were uh, up in uh, the autumn mountain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I'm in the area just after that, pretty okay. much. Um, it's uh, it's been really good. Like I feel like a lot of the writing for NPCs and stuff is on key, and it's comedic and it's fun. And I find that's like the thing I love about Mario RPG so much. Yeah, absolutely. Whether yeah. it be, um, you know, Legend of the Seven Stars to Superstar Saga to, you know, Paper Mario to whatever. Um, I feel like those games have a lot to hold in writing because Mario as itself, as in itself in most games, it doesn't have much of it. Yeah, like it's, it's its greatest strength because a lot of Mario games, even like the best ones, whether it's Mario Galaxy or Sunshine or Super Mario 64, well, these characters don't have stories. They don't have dialogue. They don't have any of this stuff where um, in the RPGs, it's really been, it's really able to be fleshed out. Yeah. Every single Toad, every single uh, NPC. They're all unique. Mario, yeah. even Lu- Luigi. Lu- Luigi's usually just obviously in like your normal Mario games, like, wow, and he can jump higher and he's got like a bit of a different jump. Yeah. Where's in this? He's like, you know, he's really got personality. He's really like, he's saying things. And yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, mm. And just some of the, some of the stuff just absolutely makes me laugh. Like yeah. from, from, and you, and you post about this on Twitter, but from whacking the tree to stop the music <laughs> because the mic, the, the megaphone falls off. Yeah. That's what killed me. I love <laughs> Because like, I was just like, wow, this music's really jarring. I'm like, <laughs> If I hit this tree, is this going to fall down? Yeah. Surely enough, it did. I'm like, oh, thank God. Now it's quiet. Because <laughs> what the greatest strength in this game is the overworld. It's just exploring. Um, every little nook and cranny has something there. Whether it's a, a toad you can find. And yeah. uh, toads in this game are like the main collectible. And they're just everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely everywhere. And they can take the form of many different things. Yeah. And th- they actually have a use in the game. And we'll talk about that once we get into the sort of battle mechanics of the game. Yep. But there's toads everywhere. You're collecting coins. There's actually collectibles that you can go to the museum and view in yep. there. And there's just stuff everywhere. And it's just like you're going through the whole thing. You're just constantly exploring every little nook and cranny, uh, seeing if you, if you can use your uh, a 1,000 arms ability where you can like- 1,000 fold arms, yeah. Yeah. Um, to, fall, oh, I guess, uh, grab bits of the world and rip them um, to reveal secrets or even in-game or in-story sort of bits to save characters and that. Mm. Uh, so I reckon that's absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, that bit I shared on Twitter where I'm just, like, exploring every little bit. Like, you just, like, hit every tree to get confetti out. Um, confetti you basically use to patch, patch up, up the world. Yeah, patch up bits of the world, which uh, the big mecha goombas are eating. So you're just going around and hitting the tree and just, like, it falls off and the music just stops. And I just went... You can actually see sort of in my gameplay where I just stopped and went, huh. <laughs> and then I go, up, I go up to the megaphone itself and start hitting. I'm like, is this going to play again? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I just love how it just like instantly stops. And, like, doof, doof, doof. and you can hear the birds chirping. It's like, huh. My other favorite thing in that area was just like, ah, oh, what a beautiful day where it looks like nothing can, can go wrong. On a side note, I have amnesia. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I love that line so much. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's full of that. And I think, uh, the, the big primary concern mainly is that, um, a lot of, a lot of what Paper Mario is known for is, uh, takes on, uh, partner characters and they're usually, you know, anywhere from enemies to like completely brand new characters, um, like Goombella or, you know, I, I can't remember half of them, but just like. Gumbario was is my favourite from um, Paper Mario sixty four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gumbello Gumbario. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I can't remember half of them at the moment. But, um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of takeaway from the fact that they don't really exist in this game. And um, it, it was actually said down the line later that it was uh, Miyamoto's decision. Yeah. I've actually got a quote here if you'd like me to read yeah, it. Yeah. Add some through. context to it. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a quote from an interview uh, with the, the producer, uh, Tensaki uh, uh, Ten- Tanaba. Um, so the quote from the interview was, Since Paper Mario's ticker star, it's no longer possible to modify Mario characters or to create original characters that touch on the Mario universe. That means if we aren't using Mario c- characters for bosses, we need to create original characters with designs that don't involve the Mario universe at all, uh, like we've done with Ollie and the stationary bosses. So a lot of the original characters in this game are obviously based off nothing in the Mario universe, as well as like the real life objects, like um, one of the um, bosses, which is based off of a stationary, <laughs> which is actually quite interesting to battle. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of baffling how they, like Miyamoto just doesn't want anything sort of modified for this game. Obviously it's an intelligent systems game, so it's developed by them. It's an in-house Nintendo uh, development team. But still, Miyamoto doesn't want um, it to be changed in any way. I don't know. I don't know if that's down to him wanting it to not be changed, or whether it was down to the fact that, and I mentioned this as well. But um, whether it was also down to the fact that development time probably would have taken longer. Yeah, and I feel like, um, and I feel like most people think this as well that Nintendo's having a very very slow year, and that they really needed something to fill that gap. Where it's just like if you just put regular Mari characters in there and give them a decent dialogue spin. I'm sure people won't miss them that much, but I feel like, you know, there are a lot of people that do. Yeah, maybe though, but think about like uh, one of the first ones you meet in the second world, um, Bobby the bob mm. and he just calls himself a bob because he's got amnesia. Um, it wouldn't be, I don't think that would take any more time to be like, all right, we're going to give you a tie or we're going to give you a moustache or we're going to give you a clown wig. Yeah, but we don't know how many characters that are going to be like that are going to turn up in the story either. Mm. Um, like a bit, yeah, true. We're, we're mm. not that far yet. And I feel like like his inclusion, especially since they remove him out of a lot of the major sections of the game, it's more or less when he's just traveling with you that he's a thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like that alone. And like, you don't, re- he doesn't really have a story arc either. He's kind of just there, gets in a bit of shit. And you know, sort of goes forward. Whereas, like, <laughs> that's 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 why he's got amnesia, so you don't need to know his story. That, that's exactly right. But in the past, <laughs> like a lot of those characters in Paper Mario, they all have their own like story arc of some kind, where mm. a whole world is centered around that character, and you know what what's happening with them, their re- their resolutions, and why they're joining your party, and why they're doing. Like, I feel like he's just along for the ride. Yeah. And they don't really want to put too much emphasis on him because they're really focusing on the origami aspect of it and why the enemies and people and whatever are the way they are. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like that's fair because it's sort of like setting up something that could potentially be a permanent addition to Paper Mario, like much uh, like how much the uh, the Bean Bean people were for yeah. the Mario and Luigi series. Yeah, I do. I do feel like the writing. And personality of each of those, well, just the Bobby the Bobom is the main one I've come across so far, and the writing pulls it far enough where I actually, I'm actually not too worried about it, um, because I think he's a, just a funny um, character anyway. 
Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, just to add a bit more context. So the article, uh, I just pulled that quote from, um, it goes on to say, the logic behind all of this may stem from an old Awada ass for Paper Mario's sticker star, where Tanaba explained, aside from uh, wanting us to change the atmosphere a lot uh, for sticker star, there were two main things that Shigeru Miyamoto uh, said from the start of the project. It's fine without a story, so do we really need one? And as much as possible, complete it with only characters from the Super Mario world. Um, so, you know, I guess Miyamoto, a lot of his games are just like very basic story. They're all focused on gameplay. So when he's looking at a Mario game, which is primarily focused on story, I think that kind of baffles him in some ways. Maybe, but an RPG is an RPG. Exactly, yeah, exactly like, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't forego story. And I know that he... He is very traditional in the way he runs things, mm. but he's definitely not an RPG designer. No. And that's the whole point of those games. So whether he is more concerned about the fact that his assets are being used in ways he may not like it or whatever it may be is a different thing. But it, yeah, it's it's definitely important in this context. And I think he really needs to sit down and understand. Yeah. You know, maybe have a, have a good go and understand where things may be a bit more missing or how like the story actually plays to its strengths, which it does. Um, I feel like Paper Mario Origami King does a pretty good job of that for what it's worth. Yeah. It, it just seems like a weird thing to get hung up on. Like for a Nintendo made game, like we know that uh, Mario plus Rabbids, when the creator sort of pitched it to him, um, Miyamoto said, "Like you know, in my in my games, Mario jumps and he's a platformer. What does he do that's unique in your game? As long as he doesn't jump, um, it, you're fine to make a game. And Ubisoft uh, does what Ubisoft does and gives them guns. <laughs> so that that was that was their um, like main hook for the game. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing to um, get hung up on his side, but it, it is a shame. I reckon." The game is just oozing with personality yeah. and it will just ooze with more personality if each character was given their own different traits. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, like they have been before. Yeah. You know, um, even uh, and another another sad thing, I suppose, coming off the back end of this was that Alpha Dream recently shut down mm. um, and they made Mario and Luigi and Superstar Sanga has some of my most memorable like a Mario RPG moments in it ever. Absolutely, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, that series might come to an end, which is really upsetting because um, I love those games. Um, but uh, I think uh, what this game does for as little as it uses does a very good job. You know, Toads, all, all the Toads have a unique dialogue. Uh, as we've talked about a fair bit already, Bobby is a good character. It's just kind of like that kick about bob who's along for the ride. <laughs> um, Olivia as a character, who is a unique character, by the way, is a good assistant. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people have the Navi complex where they're just like, oh, go away. I don't need you telling me what to do. But like as an actual character, she she's useful. And um, as a tutorial is not entirely intrusive after the first hour and a half, I feel. Um, just explaining basic things, not going too far into it, but you know, with the combat as it is, that does require a little bit of explaining as you go further on. But mm. she does, she does let the reins go after a bit and let you do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that in the combat section. And yeah, well, we must move into the combat now. Okay. Um, so 
obviously one of the main the main hooks of this game is sort of the turn based uh, battle system, mm-hmm. and in this, in this it's a lot different. It's moved on sort of like a what would you call it like a circular grid. Yeah, it's, it's grid based. Yeah, yeah, so it's a grid based, and the idea is that you can line up the enemies by rotating them or sliding them um, vertically. Mm. Um, and th- there's a fair bit of learning to do. The, the, there's a bit of tutorial in the first few battles. You have Olivia sort of saying, "You can do this. You can do that. Um, you can use your hammer in this situation. Um, you can just jump if they're in, all in a straight row." Uh, in a, I guess, Mario and Luigi sort of terms, um, if there's like a spiky enemy. You have like a different equipment to put on your in, on your feet, so you can jump on their heads without taking damage. Yeah. Um, so it's there's a there's a fair bit there, and I think it's a good battle system, but I think it's one of the aspects of the game that I like the least because a lot of the time I'm exploring, I'm looking around in the world, but if I see an enemy, I'm like, oh no, I just sort of want to run away from it. I don't actually want to engage with it. And you can, you can, yeah. Like I feel like I feel like the. Here's the bigger problem with the game for me, I think, and I think it is the same with most people, but it is levelless RPG. Yeah. And you could completely avoid every enemy except for the main major bosses if you really wanted to. Um, and I do feel like the more you battle, the way easier amount of, like, of time you're going to have with the game. The amount of gold I have at the moment to just buy stacks and stacks of power items is just absolutely crazy. Yeah. And that's because I just stomp on everything that comes to my path. Yeah. And that is the reason why you do battles in this game. It is to earn coins. There is no XP. There's no. There's no and items nothing. occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, it would be a shame if somebody realized this and wanted to give themselves a hard time and avoided as many enemies as possible. Because in there is a lot of situations where, um, at least, at least a little bit past where you are now, and you you'll learn it as it comes past. But mm. there are enemies that deal with situations differently, and it yeah. does really switch up, um, like how you line things up and what risks you need to take um, to avoid taking damage. Because when you do take damage in this game, if you have not killed a few enemies, you will take a lot of it. Yeah, you know, um, it is very much reliant on the fact that you line things up correctly so you can kill a row of enemies in one hit, and then be like, all right, on to the next one, um, and then if you can kill them in one hit, you win. It's like cool, great. But if you don't do that and you can't line them up successfully, then you're going to take hits. And if you do a bad job at lining up in general, uh, you are going to be hit for a lot of damage that you really can't do mm. much to avoid. Yeah. See, I, I like the mechanics of the battle. I, mm. I do. Yeah. But just I don't, apart from getting the coins from it, I don't feel that reward. I don't feel my need to do it. In Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, I felt that, actually, the first time I went through the game, I really struggled with the game the first time I went through it. Every boss battle was so hard, but that's because I was running away from most of the enemies. I didn't have the amount of levels that I needed. Yeah. And it wasn't that obvious either because there's not like a big level above each boss. So you don't know how strong it is compared to you. And I remember Jordan, he went through the game. He like blitzed through the game and he like went past um, Adam and I like real quick. That's because he was doing each battle, getting the required amount of XP yeah. moving on. Yeah. Whereas with this game, like, you know, there might there might be a bit where it's like, all right, you need this many coins to pay the gatekeeper or something. Um, and you, And if you haven't been doing that many battles, you're going to struggle with that payment. Um, there are a few things in this game where it's like, all right, you need some money to progress type of thing. So I don't know if that's going to become a thing, but just so far, I'm not feeling that reward to sort of do the battles every time. I don't think you have to do them every time. And I don't think the game is designed around you doing Mm. them every time. They give you a lot of open space to run around things. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I think beating things is more or less security. So, like, if you're if you're like, I can't get this part, like, I can't beat it. It's absolutely just kicking my ass. You can at least go back to town and get some items, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's just security. In when you're going into the next fight, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, well, all right, I'll just go back buy one one up shroom, mm. um, some decent boots, like whatever, do the thing, and like you know, for the most part, I think that's okay. I don't think that is problematic at all, and I think, um, I think I think it's probably good as a speedrunner's game in a lot of ways because it's just like you can avoid every enemy, but you won't take consequence for it if you already know what you're doing with the game. Yeah. Um, and that's great. You know, uh, that gives a lot of opportunity and growth as, for multiple playthroughs to see how, like, how far you can get without injecting way too much time into leveling or anything like mm. that. Um, and then, you know, go, go through, go through a harder sort of aspect of it. And yeah. I think it has a lot of potential in that regard. It does have issues, however, in that, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, because it's not level based, it does it does not show growth, um, and that is pretty problematic in itself. Like when you think about things like partners in time, you think about going forward, getting ahead, getting bro moves, getting those uh, really nice, powerful items for finishing those difficult battles, like the uh, the mega fire flower or whatever you call. It. I can't even remember what the item was specifically, but you had all four bros smashing yeah. smashing that giant ball of fire. You know, just the things that look cool. And I think that's what inherently makes RPGs such a cool thing is going from grunt level to ultra god. Yeah. And there's obviously not that in Paper Mario. It is very much just uh, this is what you've got at your disposal. Mm, like so far, it's uh, different types of boots and different types of hammers Yeah, as uh, tools for battle. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and fire flowers. Well, yeah, the items in general, but mm. you also get Olivia's powers on occasion too. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, so, um, which, you know, you play those correctly, that's cool and that's fine and you get the most out of it and I think uh, it's definitely cool in that regard. The actual combat itself, I think, um, tries to make up, like with the grid turning and everything, I think it tries to make up aesthetically for that, like, skill-based gameplay, mm. but... Um, once you get once you get the patterns of enemies down and like in regards what they do what they what they can avoid um what their specific traits are whatever it may be um because i know that uh, the ninji which you'll come up, come across later on they they are completely um invincible to a certain type of attack and will counterattack you every time you do it so you can't hurt them by doing that attack so you always mm-hmm. have to line them up a specific way because if you don't then you can't hit them so there's there's that right yeah yeah and i feel like that's going to create more uh tension as the game goes on because it's going to be more about lining up enemies specifically how they need to be lined up otherwise you're not doing any damage to them that turn at all yeah Yeah. see that's all cool uh but like even though i was saying like about the exp system i don't think necessarily just adding an exp system into this is necessarily going to fix it because that might just add like unnecessary grind as well, like that won't necessarily make it a better game, but no. at the moment, I'm just not feeling that. Like, all right, I need to get into the battles, but I'm hoping that will change. And like, what you what you're saying is cool. I'm in, I'm looking forward to getting to the next area and getting involved in that. It's all about perfection, I think. Yeah. Is is the game's garb? It's not so much about how much effort you put into uh, into you know building everything up. It's more about how you 
perfect um, execution. Yeah, and a few more of like the trickier combinations, and when you get them, it's really rewarding. Yeah, when you like, you know, you twist it, you rotate it, you put them exactly where they are, and you smash them with the hammer, and you jump on the heads, and you do it in one turn. It's and like you wow, get a good coin, coin bonus for doing so too. Yeah, yeah, you get rewarded for that. So yeah. there are there are really good aspects of the of the combat system of that. Mm. Um, but where what we sort of touched on before, I think it really shines with the boss battles. I yeah, think, I think the boss battles are really fun. They are. They're really good. Yeah. Basically, it changes that the boss is in the middle and you rotate sort of... They become a mini board game, yeah. essentially. You uh, sort of rotate it so directional arrows uh, take you to the boss so you can attack it. And there's other things along the way like health or maybe there's like, little letters that you can uh, pick up and they basically give, give you hints hint. how to beat the boss. And yeah, it's, uh, so it's a lot of fun. And like there's that, there is that tension there. Like you've got a certain amount of time to line it up right and if you run out of time, you're going to not get to the boss. You're not going to get to attack him, and he's going to wreck Stomp you. Your butt. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Like the first time, like, I'm actually like, I was in bed, I was like sweating a bit, like, oh god. <laughs> but really fun. Yeah. yeah. The water one's definitely a challenge. So yeah, okay. Yeah, you'll have fun with that. Do you beat it first go or have a few I, I, goes? I or? did with the one up mushroom. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it is definitely. Sometimes I forget that, like, even in boss battles, you can move vertically, like the panels. Mm, yeah. So I, I kind of just like, I'm like, this shit's not lining up. This is bullcrap. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> I forgot I could do that. It's like, oh, yeah. But yeah, it definitely um, it def- it definitely is slowly getting harder in terms of, like, how the bosses do things. Um, and that's cool. And I thought uh, the first the first major boss, so the first uh, utensils boss as they call them. That was a fun fight and it, and it came to a really cool conclusion too. I really quite liked it. Mm. Um with the with the Gatling. Yeah. And uh reusing that against him was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was awesome. And, and I loved the quote at the end too. You know, I'm not going to say it here because it's a great quote. Um uh <laughs> that, but that's half the game just like wow, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of a lot of the written dialogue is great and I think that's what is mostly keeping me um you know, entertained um, because it could just be a substandard RPG with like very boring, boring writing. And I probably wouldn't be as interested, you know, Yeah, no. I'm way more motivated to get it done with the goofs and gaffs that are coming up along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing we really need to touch on about the battling system though, is uh, Olivia and the toads. Mm. Yeah. So we better talk about that. Yeah. So you go into your point and okay. Um, all right, so uh, the major systems in Paper Mario for battle um, outside of just Mario's basic uh, basic abilities is um, Mario and Toads. So the more Toads you earn around the world will actually fill up your grandstands around the battle arena and that will ultimately give you more uh, better Toad support. Mm. So um, the reason you get, you get so much coins in the game is that it's sort of designed around the fact that you use coins for just about anything. Um, whether that be, you know, buying stuff, items, whatever, or you can get Toad support mid-battle. Um, toad support can do things from shuffling enemies around the board to doing damage to collecting things in boss battles like letters or items or whatever it may be around the board um, at expensive coins, uh, mm. which is cool. Um, I think that's a pretty, pretty cool way to use them. They've always historically been on uh, Paper Mario battle stages as a crowd, um, yeah, but now they have a, like an ultra functional use that actually, you know, sort of, sort of makes sense. You pay them, they help you out, you know, you move on sort of thing. <laughs> you really shouldn't have to pay them. We're helping them out so much, but we've still got to pay them <laughs> yeah, to really like help us actually save more of them. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm pretty sure in the past, like, they had at least, you know, like, small toad supports that'll pop out every now and then. I can't remember, but something comes to mind. Yeah, I can't remember. The last yeah. the last game of series I played was Sticker Star, and yeah. that's, that's coming up to, like, seven years ago now, which yeah, is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely... It, it's definitely a lot more functional now and, mm. you know, you have a way to actually, like, properly use it. Um, and then there is also two more systems in uh, Olivia in which you can spend coins to grant you more time to figure out puzzles, which I feel like is a good safety net for, you know, kids as long as they continuously do battles and stuff like that to help them sort of figure out uh, things. But I feel like 30 seconds is almost enough time for most battles. Yeah. And it won't make you stress too much. Um, See, I've actually got some items equipped to me that... Um, extend time and yeah, stuff. Yeah, put yeah. up my time, put up my health and... Uh, yeah, health, time and... Guard. Uh, guard, yeah, basically defense, yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, I'll put them on and that makes it like even more prolonged, so it's really good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and uh, I don't find myself using it very often unless it's on the boss battles where I'm sort of just like, I really need to figure out a path that's going to work out in my favor in three moves. Otherwise I'm going to get hit by an attack. I really don't want to be hit by. So, Mm. you know, um, that's, uh, that's good. And I feel like, um, you know, it, it, it's encouraged that you don't use it way too much, but if you, if you do use it, you know, you get a little bit of extra time. It gives you, gives you more time to get your head to wrap around things. Um, it does it does sort of dumb and down the difficulty a little bit in a sense that you can do that though. I feel like there should just be trial and error because at least then it it makes the player sort of think and learn a bit quicker rather than just relying on spending coins. Yeah. And spamming and battles like you, for the you, grind. I mean, so far you always have enough coins as well. Yeah. So so it's not too much out of your pocket to actually want to do that. But mm. you know, if if that is how you feel, maybe just Ignore it if you can. I know. I know it's hard to ignore something that's right there. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, and, and then there's the last thing, which um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is the last major mechanic of battles, but there is also uh, Velemental. Um. So as as you progress, um, Olivia gets more powers. Let's just put it put it there. And um, occasionally, from time to time, uh, enemies will be carrying uh, magic circles for elemental powers and then you uh, can execute them if you kill the enemy and it's true optimization is making sure that an enemy is dead before they drop that like a whole wave of enemies is dead before they drop that elemental so you can use it in the next stage mm. and clear that whole board there uh, because the second board will almost always be set up in in a way that you can't complete it in one run so you'll always get damaged. But if you get that Velemental Circle, it doesn't matter because you can just wipe it out and then you can score a perfect run. Um, but uh, you can stuff it up during that wave. And if you kill kill an enemy with the Velemental, uh, the Velemental Circle, uh, it, drops, it drops to you and you still have an enemy left on the board, you're going to completely waste it because you've got to use it immediately. It's not something you can just avoid. Yeah. Um. So there is a little bit of like tactile play to that as well. Where if like, you know, you haven't lined the enemies up correctly, so you need to be like, all right, well, I can't kill the magic circle of elemental, otherwise I'm just going to completely waste it. So you need to go and kill everything around it without killing it, so that you can kill it on the next turn and then take that free wave clear. Um. 
and you know again it's a little bit tactile and i feel like it's it's basically just there to say hey this is important and you get a nice little bonus if you do it correctly um which is nice uh but it it, it does it does just basically feel like hey uh this is final fantasy here's a summon summon kill everything cool yeah, you know, and it's it's not much more. And that's kind of what it is, just that. like a summon. Yeah, with a big like a big creature. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, it's it's not complicated, mm. um, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I I find it like I've only got the one at the moment, but it, I'm going to find it fun to sort of like find out what each one is because each one's like quite an elaborate um, creation. So it's like, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the next one is when I play it later tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, just. Off the top of your head, do you know how long this game is? Have you sort of read anywhere how long it is? For reports from Dash said it was about 25 hours, but I actually think it might be more than that with the amount of stuffing around that I do. Yeah, that's the thing. It, um, it can take longer depending on how much exploration you do. Yeah, which is, you know, in, in the game there is an absolute ton of it. Mm. And I, I, f- I don't feel like it's purposely sidetracking me to do these things. I feel like I'm actually going out of my way to be like, yeah, yeah. I'll go see what's here and then I'll do this and then I'm like, oh, a secret room? How cool. And then I'll walk through it and then, you know, and I feel like that's that's a good yeah. thing. And that can add so much time because I know when I was playing The Last of Us Part 2, a lot of people were saying the game is anywhere from 25 hours to 30 hours. And like there was lots of discussion about, you know, are games too long, all of this, and I'm playing it and I had quite limited time. So I'm like, all right, I just want to go through it, get the story. I was doing like... As much, much as much exploration as I wanted to, and when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, like the credits just popped up. I'm like, oh, that's the end. Oh, and like I, I clocked in about twenty hours because I was like trying to actually get the story more. Yeah. And it was so funny because everyone's like, oh, uh, this game, uh, like it, it feels like it stops like three times. But I never got that. I was actually surprised once I got to the end. I'm like, oh, this is the end. Shit. <laughs> So it might be a similar thing with this where like if you're just like looking for every single toad, you make sure you don't miss one. Mm-hmm. Um, it might take you a fair while because yeah. there's that much in it. And um, I guess just talking about looking for toads, there are actually items where it can uh, help you seek them out, mm. which is um, I've only got the bell at the moment, but I know there's upgrades to it to actually get more precise locations on them. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah not so much not so much upgrades. You, you'll get something soon. Um, but it is like an entirely new one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's quite, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And it, it does, it does. It infinitely helps, especially in the context of where you get it at. You're like, God damn it. I don't want to sit here fucking hitting, hitting my hammer all over the place for the next three hours trying to find this goddamn toad. And then you go a little bit further down the path, you unlock something. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes things a bit easier, you know? And I think, I think that's nice and everything. Uh, I haven't had to. There, there is like a, a recharge mechanic on it where you have to spend coins to then recharge it, but I'm not in sh- entirely sure what the rates are on that. Um, it definitely uh, promotes quick and, quick and easy use and uh, ensuring you get it done as fast as possible in order to like maximize the battery's lifetime. Um, right, yeah. Because then like as soon as the battery runs out, you have to go recharge it. And uh, it's it's at a coin cost. So it, yeah, mm. you know. You, Those you, coins, yeah. Yeah, they're they're a common theme in this. Like you spend a lot of them, um, and I feel like that's just been the thing with Mario games. I feel like I feel like they've sort of suddenly just realised they're like, 
you know, we've always collected 100 coins in a Mario stage before for a special item or something. But what if we used them for an actual purpose? Oh. It's like, great. What, what if coins from Mario could be spent were currency? No. Oh. oh, my God. You know, like, yeah, it is literally like they've just realized this. That's like the only input Miyamoto had on this game. It's like you can't, <laughs> can't customize the characters, but you can use it as currency. It's like Miyamoto. This is why they call you one of the most prolific game developers in history. Just wonderful. Oh, so amazing. (laughs) So I think that wraps up all our thoughts. Do you have anything else to sort of put in there? Um, I guess, I guess I just want to say in conclusion that I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's definitely, it's definitely doing better than what sticker star did for me. And I bought sticker sticker star with the intention of going back into paper Mario and trying, trying all over again. Cause I, I never got that far with, um, the thousand year door I'd, I'd intended to, uh, never got around to it cause I never officially owned it. Mm. Um, I never owned super paper Mario. Uh, so that's also a hindrance there, but you know, it, it's been trying to find a crevice where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm comfortable with this. And, you know, I played, I played through a fair bit of 64 and again, that those, those couple of games I tried to get through and never really got through them. But with this one, I can actually see myself completing, which is, uh, you know, surprising in in some consensus because my preferred Mario RPG was always Mario and Luigi and uh, that's mainly due to me playing through Superstar uh, not Superstar Saga um, uh, Legend of the Seven Stars and really enjoying the shit out of that game as a SNES game yeah and it's it's more akin and closer to that than it is what Paper Mario is to it mm. so you know it, it's it's always been trying to find a nice way to enter the series and I feel like this has been my nice way to enter the series um, as somebody you know who really put it on um, because Stick Star certainly didn't do anything for me really uh, I played it for a couple of hours and gave up mm, I, um, did, I did too yeah, yeah. and I, did, I wasn't finding it enjoyable and then like Paper Mario 64 I did play for like a fair bit of it, but it does really show its age. Um, yeah. And you know, when you look at, when you look at its uh, successor, the thousand year door, everybody always talks about it. Yeah. I, I will just say like everybody who's online and like, I know some people are sort of holding back on this game because they're sort of hearing negative things about it. And like, don't worry about what people are comparing it to. Like thousand year door. It's just a completely other game. It's an RPG. Oh yeah. Like it's a, it's a great game. People want the series to continue down that road, but uh, the fact is, it just hasn't. It's become something else. Um, this game's all about more exploration, um, you know, collecting, finding it, things, puzzles, characters, and I think it really, really does well in those aspects. I think it needs that unique identity. Like, we've got two Mario RPG series, and yes, I know Alpha Dream's down the drain now, but I feel like if somebody else is going to pick up Mario and Luigi again and they make that more of the RPG series that you guys are looking for... Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what they're going to do. They're going to make that RPG series a more traditional RPG and they're going to make Paper Mario a more gimmicky RPG like they have already been doing for the past few years or few iterations or whatever you want to call it. Um, But this is definitely um, probably the strongest one since the Thousand Year Door. And I think most people will agree. Absolutely. I think it is too. Because with um, Sticker Star, I can't talk about Color Splash because... In 2016, I wasn't playing much Wii U. No. Um, but there just wasn't the... There was like the writing was still there, but the battle system wasn't anywhere as rewarding. And like every sticker had like one use, mm. which just like went and that just kind of ruined the... Um, the importance of it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, and uh, the music bangs. 
Yeah, it does. I love the music of uh, Origami King. It's really good. I love that battle theme. I do too. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It really gets me like gets me hyped for battle. Yeah, and like I don't usually do this with Switch games, but I was playing it in handheld mode and I made sure that I had my headphones on while playing it because I wanted yeah. to hear it. Like yeah. if I didn't have my headphones on while doing that, um, hitting the tree and the thing just falls off, mm. that would have been like a huge miss. Yeah. Because yeah. it does pretty cool cues with its presentation. With, with, yeah, with sound yeah, with sound mm. design. And I, I love it. I think it's I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Because like I remember hearing that megaphone, I'm like, God, that's jarring. And then I hit the tree. I'm like, oh, that's better. Yeah. And, and like, it sounds different depending on your location as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. It sort of like shifts between like sounding like distorted and good. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I think, I think it's just, uh, you know, really, really good for that overall. It's, yeah. it's chirpy. It's boppy. It's, it's fantastic. And I think like, it's probably one of the more Mario, it's probably going to be one of the more Mario, uh, Jesus, I can't talk. One of the more memorable Mario <laughs> soundtracks of the Switch. Like, I'd argue to say it would be. Like, because if you ask me to hum a Mario Odyssey theme, I might be able to hum the last song that was uh, in, mm. in the last uh, chase section of Odyssey. But past that, I don't think I could remember. You'd be able to do Superstar. Oh yeah, but that that's another thing as well. I think the two vocalized songs are probably the only thing, uh, only two things that. Oh my god, shut up! <laughs> I'm trying to talk. Sorry, man. You go ahead. I think those two songs are like the only things I could ever remember from Mario Odyssey, and that's mainly because they were very much heavily marketed. Mm. So true. Yeah, that was all in the marketing material. Yeah, exactly. But like, as for actual non non-marketed material uh, that was put into the worlds and stuff like that. I don't think I could remember half of it. Half of it. I haven't played it in like so long, but like if you, if you talk about games I haven't played in so long, I could still sing like 90% of their tunes, but in Odyssey, I couldn't. Yeah. I'm probably the same way. Mm. Now that I think about it. But I, I think, I think uh, like the battle theme in this is probably going to be something I remember pretty fervently. Mm. You know? And you're like, you hear that like, obviously every time you do a battle. So yeah, <laughs> it should it, stick in your head a bit. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, uh, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, and just just memorable moments again with with the megaphone, with the toads, uh, all the equips, the different ways the the toads the toads are folded into origami. You know, whether it be a dog or a butterfly or something <laughs> like that, you got to whack across the head. I just love I just love how every little butterfly like oh, there's a toad. Oh, there's a dog barking at me. Go and hit it <laughs> with the hammer. <laughs> it's a toad. It's a toad. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely fantastic game and. So far, we yeah. yeah so far, um, we recommend it, and I guess uh, a lot a lot of people who say, "Oh, I'm not picking it up." I'm kind of like, "What are you playing on Switch at the moment?" <laughs> I know there's like heaps of indie games and games to catch up and all that, but if you're after like new content, this is it for at least a little bit to ride that. Yeah, if you are concerned because of the way Sticker Star and Color Splash had presented themselves and their reception, don't. Um, I feel like everybody has a universal thumbs up for this game at the moment. I don't think anybody is like, this is a step in the wrong direction because it's definitely an improvement. Yeah. And if if they keep improving with things like this and then hopefully, you know, you'll see your thousand, your thousand year door too. You know, that's what I'm hoping for is that eventually it does culminate to something where people can just be ultimately enjoyed with it. Um, but it for, for now, it is definitely doing a much better job than it was before. Certainly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to keep playing it. Mm. Yeah. So, Bryce, let's move into some news. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! 
So uh, just a few hours ago, a new Nintendo Direct Mini was announced. Yeah. And uh, at the moment of recording, we haven't seen it. We yeah. haven't. We don't know what's being revealed. No. So it's only ten minutes, I think. Yeah. So it's going to be a very quick one. Um, <laughs> we didn't really see a reason in postponing the podcast to catch it. Yeah, to catch ten minutes worth of content. So yeah. I'm going to inject my thoughts on it um, a few hours after recording this. But before I do that, Bryce. Uh, what do you hope is going to be shown at this direct? Do you have any sort of expectations, or are you just like whatever? It's, on, it's on games already shown off, right? Yes. So, just think about that um, for a moment. What what is something that needs to be rectified? Well, you said Bayonetta three earlier, so you're talking about that, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Um, we had heard earlier on in the year that uh, the produ- like somebody had spoken to the producers and like, yeah, it's coming along, you know. We're, we're doing we're, we're doing things. And I feel like it's been long enough now from announcement where they're just like, yeah, we probably should put something out about it. You know, let, let people know how it's going on. Because people are asking the question all the time, where the hell is Bayonetta? Like you've yeah, announced at the same time as Metroid Prime 4 and Metroid Prime 4 has <laughs> had more updates, even though it regressed back to like start <laughs> of development. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, like we haven't heard <laughs> anything about it since then. So I feel like uh, Bayonetta 3 is probably due for a, hey, how are you? This is how the game's looking. So um, let's hope for that. Yeah. Mm. It, it makes sense too because uh, if it is within the next three months. I don't think it'd be in, within the next three three months, maybe the oh, end of the year. End of the year even. Like it would make sense to sort of start the marketing churn as it were now. But yeah. All right. Um, we're going to uh, jump to future Drew, see what he has to say about it. Hi, future Drew. Yeah, thanks for past Bryce. It was uh, very nice of you to uh, introduce me like that. So the Nintendo Direct happened in the future, and it was a pretty underwhelming one, in all honesty. Uh, nothing too exciting, but I'll go into it, nevertheless. Um, I think the most exciting one was the announcement at the start. So Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, is getting a season pass and uh, three DLC packs all up. Um, so the first one is a character pack, and you get access to Impa, Aria, Shadow Link, Shadow Zelda, Frederick, and you can use those characters in the game. And, uh, you know, it seems pretty good. That season, that DLC pass is available now, so have your fun if you're going to pick up the season pass. A DLC pack two is the Melody pack, and this is the one out of the, the pack that I'm most excited about. So it adds 39 brand new songs to the game, and its uh, composers for this pack are Family Jewels, a rival and Chipsel. And Family Jewels, I'm a big fan of Family Jewels. He's an absolute great musician. We featured him on Nintendo Jukebox multiple times on this podcast. Really excellent um, renditions of Nintendo music, um, whether it's guitar or whatever he's doing. Absolutely fantastic. So um, having that added to the game is really cool. And Del DLC Pack 3 is a Symphony of the Mask. So you get to play as Skull Kid in a brand new story and with a brand new map. And you can change your abilities by using different masks in the game. So that's going to be the main pack where you actually get new story, new content. The others are just like adding new characters to play as and then the second pack is brand new songs. So overall, it's pretty cool. And uh, the season pass is available right now. DLC pack one is out to download. And uh, the others should be out before October unless things get delayed. And a physical copy of the game is coming out on October 23rd. So cool a uh, little announcement for people that enjoy Crypt of the Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Well, Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. 
And the rest is like, you know, pr- pretty pretty small stuff, except for the one at the end, which we'll uh, go into a little bit later. So the next up was Rogue Company, and this is a game from hi Studios. It's basically like a, a third-person shooter with different objectives. When I first saw it um, today, they actually teased that they were going to be a part of this direct. So I, I did actually retweet it for other people to see whether they wanted to uh, check out this game. But um, it seems like a, a pretty interesting uh, third-person shooter. I, I, I assume it's uh, free-to-play. Um because it's also a cross-platform, cross-progression, and it's got motion control aiming on Switch, which is good because people that really enjoyed Splatoon will uh, get to use those controls on Switch. And personally, I really enjoy them on Switch as well, the motion controls. Never really think about it on PlayStation, but when I'm playing it on the Pro Controller, I really do enjoy it. Uh, so this is going to be one to look out for. It might be a fun third-person shooter because we don't get a whole lot of those on Switch. And looking at the graphics and sort of the, the frame rate of everything, it looked like it was running pretty smoothly from the gameplay that they showed us. So this might be one to keep out, okay, keep an eye on, especially if it is free-to-play. Um, so, yeah, seems pretty cool. And next up was WW2K Battlegrounds. And I am not a wrestling guy whatsoever. I've got nothing to put <laughs> nothing to put in for this game. But um, I hope it turns out to be quite a fun um, party wrestling game for those who are into their wrestling. Because the series for the last few years, they've been sort of ignoring like the, the fun party uh, wrestling games from what I've been hearing anyway. So hopefully this is a good one for people to get in and have a go with. And uh, after that, uh, Shimagami Tensei 3 HD Remaster was uh, shown. And uh, it's coming out spring 2021. So that's cool for fans of that series. And next and very last is Shimigami Tensei 5, which has been or been announced for such a long time. It's been one of the games that's just <laughs> been just in the void. Kind of like Bayonetta 3, but I think it's been even longer than that. I think it was like pretty much around when the Switch was announced. It's like, all right, Shimigami Tensei 5 is coming to this thing. And it's just been quiet until now. It's got a 2021 release date. And it's a simultaneous uh, worldwide release, which is really big for a game like this. Uh, Other Atlas games like Persona 5, they come to Japan about a year before they come to the West. So they're really going to be pushing this game heavy on Switch. Um, Whether that's because they see a lot of the uh, want for Persona 5 to come over the Switch and they're going to be like, all right, we're going to push this hard to this certain audience on Switch. Um, it goes to show. So, yeah, seeing more of this game is going to be interesting. Uh, the website is live, so whether they've got more information there, I don't know. I really know nothing about this series, so I can't go into too much of the trailer or anything, but maybe next week uh, Bryce will have something to say on it, or maybe he won't. Anyway, I think that's literally it. Um, that's eight minutes, or well, that's eight minutes and 13 seconds of the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase for July 2020. So, Lucky we uh, didn't delay the show for it. Anyway, back to current Drew. All right, I'm back. What a nice young man. Yeah, you know, he's he's looking very uh, very scruff there with his extra three hours of hair on him. Yes, yeah. He's just, he's got, he's going to have to shave again. Yeah, yeah. You know, not like now, like right now, three, like current time you, as opposed to three hours ago, your hair is perfectly fine right now. I'm like actually bald at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like in three hours time. It was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to get yourself cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. So very exciting stuff. Dirty future, Drew. Dirty future, Drew. Damn. Wow, wow. That's pretty offensive to future me. (laughs) Uh, So next up, Bryce, is an an article from VentureBeat, 
And the title is Why Reggie fils Joined Rogue Games as a Strategic Advisor. So, Bryce, you catch this news? Reggie's got a new job? No, no. Quick question. Okay, quick question, man. Yeah. Does that mean he stopped doing anything with GameSpot? No. No, he's still doing it. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's um, just I do it all the time as well. Don't yeah, it's the same thing. So he, so he hasn't, he hasn't left as their advisor or whatever no. it may be. Okay, cool. So I'll, this is quite a lengthy article. So I'll just read enough to get the information from it. So the Venture Beat article uh, reads: Rogue Game is announcing Reggie Fils-Aimé, the former and beloved president of Nintendo of America, is joining the indie game publisher as a, a strategic advisor. The Los Angeles-based company publishes mobile and PC games from a small or mid-sized indie game developers, uh, but it is moving to the console market, and that's why they need advice from an expert like Reggie Fils-Aimé, who retired from Nintendo after 15 years in April 2019. As the new consoles come this fall from Sony and Microsoft, Rogue Games is expanding to console and PC gaming platforms from Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony. Fisa will advise the board of directors, which includes CEO Met Casamassina, uh, who was a uh, editor at IGN, and uh, and many other names, which I, <laughs> I'm kind of butcher if I even try. So let's move along. Casamassina uh, <laughs> said in the email that Reggie, as he is known, brings unrivaled experience in the console arena which is invaluable to rogue games now Fiza- <laughs> uh, uh, said in an article he was impressed uh, with rogue's vision for consoles on platforms like switch over the last few years rogue games has moved uh, early into new game services such as apple arcade and google play pass with titles like super impossible road sociable soccer uh, hexable the action platformer the out uh, and Outsider Afterlife. Um, and that was cool. I actually remember, I think it was Super Impossible Road on Apple Arcade when that launched. That was actually quite a neat-looking um, game. It kind of had, like, I guess, uh, gameplay similar to what you might expect from F-Zero, but it was like a ball on a track, which you've got to keep it on. Yeah. So it was actually quite a neat-looking game. So these guys do produce pretty um, neat-looking games, currently on mobile and PC, and... Um, bringing on someone like Reggie, it's going to be huge for them to get into that market. It's going to be massive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a little bit more context. Someone on Twitter asked, just tweeted Reggie saying, Reggie, what's your definition of retirement? Because <laughs> he's, he's doing a lot in his retirement. Yeah. And like a lot of people like you and I included, probably like retirement means staying home, watching TV, going for a walk, enjoying life, the smaller things, smelling the flowers, just enjoying life. I think he, I think he still wants to be within the world. Yeah, you know, I th- the thing is, is when you look at uh, Reggie's career history, like the one that he's enjoyed most is gaming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and Reggie he actually responded to um, the person on Twitter, and <laughs> he said, um, "So this is his definition of retirement. So it's helping people I value, developing the next generation of business leaders." Uh, helping executives create world-class business cultures, sharing my experiences, having fun, and uh, having fun, a perfect retirement plan. So that's with his more time. He just wants to help help people grow their businesses and doing the things he loves, which is just growing businesses pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. he's talked about that in his own podcast and other podcasts he's been a guest of just – um, he really enjoys like getting into a business and helping it grow. That's what he likes to see. It's good. And I guess uh, his time at Nintendo, he obviously did help them grow a lot with um, the decision to include Wii Sports with the Wii was just massive for that console and uh, and him just enjoying gaming from his childhood. 
was, good, was how, a nice little perk on that too. How good is Reginald? I love him. Honestly, <laughs> he's a good know. boy. He is is such a good fellow. Like no matter what way you look at him, you're just like, man, I miss him. <laughs> yeah, I miss him, and I really hope that like uh, Phil Spence really comes off as like that for Xbox as well and helps Xbox growth. I, ho- I really hope that like him and Reggie sat down for some beers one night and they were like, uh, you know what, Reggie, I'm on advice. How do I how do I really spark up my company? And that's where he's got his his sort of go from because he's really interacting with people now and um, he seems really, really interested in like hearing people's opinions about things and sort of being the face of Xbox, which something that we all know was Reggie was famous for with Nintendo. And I really hope that like through their partnership and their talks and stuff like that, that that's what they achieved. Yeah. You know, and I hope that uh, though Reggie is now finished with, you know, being the face of Nintendo or whatever, that we still get the same with Phil Spence and Xbox because they seem to get along really well. Mm. They look like they talk all the time. Yeah. And just, just on that note too, like obviously we like Reggie as a personality, not just because of his involvement, with Nintendo and it is great that we are still getting Reggie out in the public doing things yeah. like whether it's just reading uh, involvement with other companies or doing his own podcast, which was a, a charity. Uh, it's just really nice still having him out there. Absolutely. And yeah. I reckon it's even like, he's not constrained to say what he needs to, to grow Nintendo as a business. He's not required by the marketing team to say this or don't say that. Like he can say whatever he wants. He can go and talk to Phil Spencer about just the the market of video games. Just yeah. it's really it's really interesting. I recommend anyone go and listen to that podcast. Yeah. Um. Just in this Twitter thread, there's a someone just posted a video saying just a video called Reggie say Bill. I was going to play it. This one. I can't even hear it. Oh, turn out the wrong one. <laughs> Always turn out the wrong one. Always. Well, anyway, <laughs> what the fuck? It's just like someone just did a video where it's just like he's saying Bill, 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 and it just like turns up the pitch for each one. <laughs> just fantastic. Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill. Um, so next up is how labor- how laboratory relocates to a new Nintendo building in Tokyo, and this um, news article comes from my Nintendo News. And the article reads, the beloved HAL Laboratory has relocated to Nintendo's fancy new building in Tokyo. The staff at HAL Laboratory Tokyo has also increased with the last count at uh, 195 employees, which is up from the last count of 169. The company is famous for its work on Kirby and the Mother series. The company joins Game Freak, who transferred to the Tokyo building alongside with Nintendo EPD Tokyo. So I haven't actually heard about this building before, but... At the start of the year, Game Freak also moved this building as well as Nintendo's main Mario team, which is the um, EPD group. Yep. So interesting that um, a lot of these companies are coming together. Especially, I know this uh, article has been brought up because of how laboratory, but um, interesting that Game Freak is in the same building as Nintendo because we know they're a second-party developer yeah. who's um, largely controlled by the Pokemon company as far as what they're doing. But yeah, pretty cool to see. Hopefully... Maybe that means for the Pokemon games, it would be easier to get some help from, um, you know, Nintendo development crews. So that'd be cool. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess some this information comes from um, a, like a an insider on Reddit. And on Reddit, they go on to say that to be more precise, this is all about the building on Tokyo. If you don't know, most Nintendo divisions are on Kyoto. 
but they have the visions and buildings on Tokyo. Um, in the past, some companies were in the Tokyo building, uh, it be subsidiaries or partners, um, and the same still holds true, but that was changed later last year. Game Freak transferred to the new Tokyo building alongside Tokyo EPD Tokyo. Uh, um, Nintendo P PTD Tokyo, 1UP Studio, and now HAL Laboratory Development Team on Tokyo is again on the building. How updated their employee? Yeah, so yeah, that's just reiterating stuff. But yeah, it's uh, interesting just for the insight of Nintendo development because we don't get a lot of it. No, we don't get right. a lot of it. Like we we know that like you know obviously the Game Freak has its own brand. Um, Retro Studios has its own brand because it's Nintendo's only Western development owned studio. Um, but a lot of these other teams, they just got like their own little code names, whether it's Nintendo um, EPD or what have you. They don't have like, it's not like PlayStation Studios, for example, where you got Sucker Punch, Naughty Dog, um, Japan Studio, like, et cetera. It's yeah. not as branded no. as one. And in some ways, I wish it was because it would be cool to like point towards some of these studios and be like, yes, I know exactly what you are, head of the studio, et cetera. Yeah. And you get some of that with intelligent systems with Paper Mario and Retro Studios with Metroid Prime. But some of these games, you just uh, don't know where they are unless you really dig in and have a look. Yeah, Because right. it just says Nintendo on the box. Yeah. And some more information on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, not the, the Lego Nintendo Entertainment System, not just the, the ancient one that came yeah. out a while ago. <laughs> so we talked about it a bit last week because it was breaking news while we were live, but now it's uh, got a release date and it comes out August 1st. And what we uh, found out before is actually got an interactive TV where you turn a, a, a bit of a wheel there. Oh, I love that so much. And it moves through level 1-1 one, one of the original Mario Bros. Mm -hmm. And if you pair it with the uh, little Mario Lego figurine, put him on top, it does the sound. Does the coin sounds, does the music. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. And it's uh, Australian. It's $349. So it's uh, pretty pricey, but for Lego, you know. It's a super dope set, though. Pretty cool set. Like... I've seen Jade spend like anywhere from up to $120 to $180 on Lord of the Rings sets. Yeah. So like seeing it for that price and especially considering its functionality makes me go, that's actually not as bad as I thought, honestly. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it's, it's a whole unit in which you can put on a rotating Lego screen yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot to build in that TV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like an absolute ton. And it would keep you busy for a very, very long time. And my God, that would be an awesome display piece. Yeah, I know. That's that. That's probably the main reason I want to buy it. Yeah. Um, And 350 like that's a lot of money. That's going to buy you like, especially with, especially for me where I'm like, all right, I want to look into getting a PC and PS5 and Xbox Series X are coming out. Like, you know, I've got to start like thinking about where my money's going for yeah. like some of these fun items. And as much as I'll be like, oh, that'd be sick. I'll buy it, put it on my shelf. Fantastic. Uh, it's it's going to be one of those situations where, all right, you've got to, are you in the position to buy Lego at the moment? Maybe <laughs> maybe just save that money. Not, not, only, not only just that, but I could never see you building it. You can't put cardboard together. <laughs> yeah, the, the Labo. Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. But I bought it like in shearing season. And like, like I said, around that time, the last thing I want to do is come home sore, tired, um, like sometimes I'm just too tired to even play a game, let alone sit at a table and build cardboard. I mean, do you really want to do that with Lego? You're almost you're almost as busy now in some cases. You're working like seven days a week at the moment. It's frustrating because this is the time where I can actually do, do things, games and stuff. But yeah. it's not working. It's no. not working for me. But no. regardless, I see a lot of people very excited for this, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing people 
um, building it and putting it in their displays, maybe even Twitch streaming it. I would, I would love to sit down and Twitch stream it, set up like a the camera with oh. like like a bird's eye view and all that. I reckon yeah. it'd be sick. That'd be a lot of fun. And just talking to the chat and yeah. doing that. That'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, if I had the time, I would even consider doing that. But also on the same day, uh, not, as that, not as exciting, but Nintendo um, America announced this on their Twitter that there's actually a Super Mario Monopoly and a Super Mario Jenga coming out on the same day. Not sure about Australia. Haven't seen Nintendo Australia confirm this, but definitely for you guys in the US, this is coming out. And um, I've never been a Monopoly or Jenga guy, but looks pretty cool. Monopoly Jenga. Monopoly Jenga. Um, The Jenga is actually pretty cool. It's like a Bowser theme. So you're basically trying to like crash down Bowser. That's cool. It's actually kind of like a cool little theme. I think the game mechanics might actually work a little bit different as well. Uh, probably if that's the case, because the whole point is usually to pull parts out without making the structure full. Yeah. Let me just re- read this bit here. So Django Super Mario isn't the typical Django experience you're used to. Instead of del- delicately pulling out blocks and hoping another player sends the whole tower flying, you're in control of Mario characters who are climbing the tower to defeat Bowser, collecting coins along the way. Furthermore, you have a spinner to determine the number of blocks to stack. How many... Uh, how many layers your Super Mario character uh, must climb or whether to reverse play or collect coins. So does that make any sense to you? Not really. (laughs) No. (laughs) So we'll see. So you're trying to climb the tower. So I think it's basically you remove a block and the part that reveals a pathway and your Mario character can run up, can move along the tower. So you're moving blocks to make room to run up to get to Bowser. Gotcha. I think that's what it means. Right. That's from the press release. So if they can't communicate it to me, don't know. <laughs> but if anyone, everyone likes their Jenga and wants a bit of a different spin on it, there it is. Yeah. Super Mario one. Hopefully. And uh, we've already got Super Mario Monopoly. It's called <laughs> Paper Mario the Origami King. It's just put, <laughs> putting coins out everywhere in that game. So whatever you're after. Uh, so moving on, Bryce. So Metacritic says it will delay user score reviews for video games. And uh, the article reads, online uh, review aggregate, um, website Metacritic has recently announced that it will delay uh, user scores for video games for four, uh, for 36 hours after the game's release. Review bombing has become a major problem on the site, particularly with video games. The company says that the decision was based on data-driven research and and with the input of critics and industry experts. So I guess just going off of this, like um, the last major one to really suffer from this was Last of Us Part Two. The game leaked a few months before uh, the game actually came out. Uh, that story was super divisive and they took some risks with that. Personally, for that game, I quite liked where they went with that story. Other people absolutely hated it and that resulted in people just going to Metacritic before the game was out, mind you, and giving it a zero, saying it was shit. And what that sort of means for Metacritic is like if you're if someone out there is like, oh, I heard this game's all right, what do the users think about it? Um like a three out of 10 for a game like that is just not useful for anyone. No. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So since uh, Ghost of Tsushima and um, Paper Mario have came out, these are the new rules. You can't post a user review straight away. And that makes so much sense. Um, I, it should have been that way for a long time, really. Yeah. Well, because again, like when people review bomb the shit out of that, the minute the, the minute it comes out, it gives no people time to form an opinion. Yeah, and like even if it wasn't review bombing, if it was just like, say we got the game Friday and we're like, I love Mario and you go and give it a 10. That's not useful for anyone either. No. <laughs> I, w- I would argue they'd be best holding it off for a week. 
Yeah, even. Yeah. You know, for, to give people a decisive enough time to go, all right, this is the case. And then even if it does get review bombed at the end of the week because people are being shitty, then at least there'll be a decent amount of reviews where people actually did play the goddamn game to offset the balance. So I've just gone to Metacritic now and currently Paper Mario, obviously the user reviews are open and it's currently at a 6.7, whereas the uh, critic review is at a 81. Um, so there's a, there's a person here. So it's Lunchbox33. Um, they gave it a six and person that they say, pros, good adventure game, beautiful game, uh, creative fight mechanic, cool boss fights, cons, not an RPG. Um, <laughs> and then he says the whole fighting mechanic is completely useless. And he says hole as in like a hole you go and dig. <laughs> um, partners, if you can really call them that, are pretty much useless. The first part is horribly slow and painful. So, you know, everyone's got their own opinion. He's entitled to his own, <laughs> their own opinion. But just saying not an RPG... It's just like, all right, don't don't say it's a shit game because of what it's not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then there's a lot of other tens here. So it's either bad or it's good with user reviews. So you know they're already like a not a very useful thing. No. But at least they they can maybe be a little bit more useful with sort of this implementation from Metacritic. And like you know, sort of going back on it, um, a lot of these people have derivative opinions from previous entries of it. Mm. You know, and I'm kind of just like, just think about it for a sec. You yeah. Know? I mean, if there's anyone out there listening who's like, I love Thousand Year Old, Thousand Year Old Door. It's, <laughs> I can't talk either, bro. Thousand Year Old Door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can't talk. But anyway, you know what I mean? Um, if you really love that game and you don't enjoy this game as much because it is missing the core element from that game, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's nostalgia. But it doesn't necessarily make this game bad either. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. And if it is bad, it's because of its own merits. I feel like I feel like it is a very stylized RPG in its own right, uh, right and respective. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Sticker Star and Color Splash probably tried to achieve that as well, but just didn't. You know, whereas I think this does it a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so, at the end of the day, it's st- it is still technically an RPG. In branding, but I think people get way too stuck to the idea of an RPG as something you level up and grind in mm. and, you know, waste a lot of time basically defeating trash, which, you know, you can waste a lot of time defeating trash in Paper Mario. Just uh, be very rich. Well, yeah, that's right. You just be very rich. It, it doesn't actually affect, like, how difficult your next battle is going to be in an artificial way. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I might finish the game and I might be like, hey, tell you what. It's actually better they took it out. Who knows? Mm, yeah. And I feel like it probably could go that way because it would make the experience less about grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Same for everyone type of thing. Mm. Yeah. I'm a big RPG nut. Like I'm a, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I play a shit ton of them and I don't necessarily think that this is damaging to the game. Um, I do feel like it takes out a little bit of aspect element, not having so many unique party members and stuff like that, which RPGs are typically known for. Um, but as for like the leveling and stuff like that, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next up is, um, this is actually pretty cool. I don't know if you've seen it, Bryce, but uh, Super Paper Mario, no, it's not Super Paper Mario, Super Mario 64 on PC um, yeah. has a new, I guess, a 4K texture patch. And this is like a port basically uh, made by the community of uh, people over there. And it's just, they're doing really cool work. So basically what they've done is they've redrawn um uh, Super Mario 64 and made it 4K and this is like widescreen looks absolutely excellent looks awesome gorgeous and like we're talking about sort of the port coming to or hopefully maybe coming to Switch with some of the Mario games 
Um, this is this is exactly what I'd want from Nintendo One Switch. To <laughs> yeah, be honest, it won't happen though. Yeah, probably not. But it's just like four K. Oh, well, it doesn't have to be four K. It doesn't have to be four K. But just like just widescreen yeah. support and yeah. like maybe like a bit of a fixed camera, so it's not just button inputs. It's actually more of the stick. Yep. Um, I would I'd really enjoy that. Or at least just transition it so the controls actually support proper camera control. Yeah. With the right stick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it looks absolutely fantastic. I just wanted to shine some light on it because a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know this exists. But yeah, go and go and check it out. Yeah, if you want to go and have a look, it's uh on on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a random one, Bryce. So there's no news story for this, but um, over the last week, um, we all know uh, Philip Mewson, who <laughs> <laughs> who uh, you know, got fired from IGN because of his plagiarism on his Dead Cells review. It's not even just that though, and I think that's yeah, yeah. like. And yeah, obviously it came out a lot more that he plagiarized pretty much everything he did for his written content at IGN. And it was a big shock for the Nintendo community because uh, Nintendo Voice Chat is you know, the probably probably the biggest Nintendo podcast out of there. A lot of people listen to it, including myself. And uh, he was one of the last sort of platform agnostic um, editors there. And when he got fired, they just didn't replace it with another Nintendo editor. And we've heard stories since that people were applying for the job and almost got it and obviously didn't get it over him. And um, it's just like, it's just a pretty sad and shitty situation, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and since then, he's put out, like, he's put out an apology video and it's like, oh, yeah, whatever, you're lying. Then, like, months later, he released another one saying, all right, no, this is the honest truth. And, you know, saying how, how sorry he was and all of that. And I think, like, what he did was you know, real shit, but. I don't think it's not one of those things where it's like you can never, ever, ever redeem yourself because I think you can. Um, it's just up to the individual to sort of think for themselves whether they want to support you if you come back. I know you're going to, I know you're going to play the clip. I'm going to play because, the clip because you did announce before the show and I'm assuming that you're actually pull grabbing it from Dylan Blight's Twitter. Yeah. Okay. I want to just address the fact that actually, no, play the clip first. So let's play the clip. So this is. This is the first 30 seconds of the review and it's going to sort of set the tone for the discussion. So, yeah. What's going on, everyone? Today, we're going to be taking a look at Dead Cells. When it comes to modern roguelike games, Dead Cells is on a whole other level of good. In fact, it's so good that the first time I tried reviewing it, it left me so speechless that I literally went looking for someone else's opinion to describe it. Philip Mewson? Philip Mewson. Philip Mewson. Philip Mewson. I mean, this game played such a pivotal role in the self-destruction of my career as a games journalist, by my own doings, of course, but I'm still coming back to it almost two years later because it's just that damn good. What's going on, everyone? Okay. Um, so just like, he's coming back, like this is... This video is obviously to try and fight the demons in his head because, like, I'll, you, you can imagine, like, regardless of how in the wrong he was, that this would be absolutely awful on his mental health. And this is him sort of coming back and like, all right, I'm going to try and redeem what I did wrong with my own unique review and I'm going to try and move on and continue creating content and doing reviews. Um, but coming in and saying, like, just that, that line where he says... <laughs> It was so good that I could not form my own opinion about it. Why did he say that? Because he's an idiot. That and is it's so, not the oh. only game he did it to. He did it to many games. He went around to other people's reviews. Even somebody commented on um, that post. I'm not sure if it was Dylan's or the person that he retweeted. Where it was like... He no, it, he, no, it was some other guy. 
um, where somebody commented in the thing. He's like, Philip literally stole parts of my review from somebody from uh, me and when I was working at Mashable at the time. And it wasn't even Dead Cells. It was like something completely different. Mm. He'd just become notorious for it because people started poking holes in everything. So for him to say, oh, it's so good that it couldn't form my own opinion. It's like, man, no, you were lazy and you stole a lot of words. Yeah. A lot of them. For you to come back and say this is pretty much just shitting on and insulting everything that you said before, trying to apologize. And even then, like, people didn't think you were that apologetic about it anyway. Yeah, it's just, like, to 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 do a review and say, all right, I'm going to correct my ways. I'm going to try, sorry. I'm going to try and correct my ways and move forward in life, whether it's doing more stuff on YouTube or whatever. It's, I just got to get this out of my head. But to come out and say, oh, man, this game's so good and it was, it was so good but I just had to go and look at what other people were saying how good it was. It's like you could just say this game is fucking sick. It's a great roguelike game with great gameplay and the DLC they've been adding is fantastic and go and buy this game. I don't, I don't see why you need to go and uh, rip off someone else's review to say that. There is no such thing as a review where you can't form your own opinion because that is that is your job is to form your own opinion. Yeah, that's right? literally your job. That is literally your job. Paid by IGN, the biggest video game site out there. Yeah, paid to do that. To be like the exclusive Nintendo editor, which is a job position many people would have loved to have. If you, if you want to read other people's reviews and just be like, you know, trying to wrap your head around things, sure, okay, fine, fair enough. And, you know, sort of give you a bit more of your own logical insight, then fine. But you literally plagiarized. Yeah. Literally down to a T. Yeah. Like, yeah. Paragraphs. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And people picked it. People picked holes in it. And then they picked holes in your old reviews. And then they picked holes in your older reviews. Jesus Christ. But why? Why would you say something like that? It, It Like, again, two apology videos. Two apology videos. You shat all over them with that one sentence. Mm. Ridiculous. If you're going to own up to your mistake and you want to review Dead Cells and you're going to own up to your mistake, you're not going to start by saying, I literally could not form my own opinion because of how good it is. Because if you really paid attention to the game, you wouldn't have had to play Dry's Wing. Mm. He ends the review to go on to say, like, oh, you know, pretty much, I hope you can forgive me and, you know, oh, continue up. supporting me. Cause it sounds like he's going to continue doing more reviews. He's getting back into doing reviews. That's what this one was saying. He he basically wants to correct his ways and move on, doing, and, doing more game content, more reviews. And people are going to watch him like a hawk. Oh, they should. <laughs> even if he says, like, even if he says... I'll never like, do it again, I promise. <laughs> even if he says, like, oh, this game's great. It's like, oh, I said this game was great. You plagiarizing bastard. <laughs> Yeah, they will. They will watch him like a hawk because now he's earned himself the reputation and he fucked up a position that a lot of people would have loved to do. Mm. And I think that was the most disappointing is seeing the amount of hard, like hard working and genuine people who were in the industry at the time who really wanted that job. And then they gave it to a semi influencer so that, you know, I, I guess it would just generate more revenue, more clout, whatever it may be. I don't know at the time and then all these people that do put in the hard yards and write genuine things and whatever they they got shot down for that and then he just ended up plagiarizing everything 
Mm. Yeah, I do just I just want to put out there like a lot of the the comments were like pretty vile towards him. Um, like I'm not you saying know, they weren't. Like I, I I do think that's not on. He's like he's not a pedophile. He's not any of these other awful awful things. No, you shouldn't wish death upon the man. No, like you know he he plagiarized a review. Like you know that that is a shit thing in this industry to do to your colleagues, to your friends, but it's not any of these other things where it's just um, you'll never come back from it. No. And, like, he, he, he can he can do a Dead Cell review. He can do other reviews. Uh, just I just, you know, think about whether you want to support that because do I do I want to be getting – if I'm like, oh, there's this indie game that looks good, I'd write a review and it comes up with a review from Philip Mewson. I'm like, well – I'm like, well, you know, he doesn't really have any thoughts of his own. What's the point of even yeah. reading that? It's a waste of my time. Yeah. So, yeah, he can do what he wants, I guess. But, yeah, just I know like a lot of people we talk to are just going to be like, yeah, just don't even acknowledge him. No. And, like, don't get me wrong. I The only reason I'm acknowledging, now, uh, acknowledging him now is because he has the gall to say something like that. Mm. When it, it's been very clearly insulting to many, 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 many people that he's just ripped completely out of their work and put it in his own. And it went unnoticed for a long time until somebody finally called him out on it and just said, hmm. you just straight up plagiarized me, bro. And this is something I wrote like three weeks ago. Yeah. Especially when it's like a channel of like, I don't know, say 5,000 subscribers. Yeah. It's literally being plagiarized by IGN. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. You got like a million views on this sucker. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Completely ruined. Yeah. Um, and just just to wrap it up, if anyone out there who's like, Drew, why are you even bringing this up? Why are you giving him, like, why are you even giving this man air? It's because it affects Nintendo community. And it's, you know. That's it, right. It affected us back then and it's something that's happened now. So we need to acknowledge it and, you know, move on. And he needs to be called out for that mistake. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, um, if he does want to continue making content, we are going to have to see him... Pop it because there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, he just made the mistake, you know, it's time to move on. It's like, no, it's not really time to move on because the people who plagiarized he plagiarized from never got paid for their work. Mm. You know, that's their money that they technically earned for doing his work for him, and he got the payout for it. So, unfortunately, no, it doesn't matter, it, it doesn't come down to just a simple mistake. He needs to realize that what he's done is terrible, and the way he's sounding right now does not sound like he understands the gravity of the situation of what he's done. Mm. He's taken the hard work from hard work and genuine people, hardworking and genuine people and use it on his own thing. And now he's just like, I had to go looking for other people so I could form an opinion. I think what makes it hurt even more is we, we've heard stories from friends that uh, basically the person who was next up in line to get that job was someone who was local in the Australian community. Yeah. Um, and we're like, oh, that sucks because I would have much rather heard from them <laughs> each week on the Nintendo voice chat. In the Nintendo voice chat, like I remember when he was hosting, it was like, uh, like he would like move on to another story or something. He's like, oh, this is super exciting. Like it's just like the next level thing. And it'd just be like absolutely nothing. I think um, Zach on that podcast even said like, is it that exciting? Like it's just like, he's just overreacting to everything. Like he didn't really know what he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I know some people might say that with me too, but I don't know. <laughs> it's it's clear that he spent a lot of his time actually just sitting there and saying what's going on. Other people see, saying, yeah, see what other people are saying, and then forming an opinion around it. When at the end of the day, his job was to form his own opinion. Yeah, and like like uh, for this episode, I, I haven't even gone to see another Paper Mario review. 
I know. I know. I know. I how, haven't either. I know how it's going on Metacritic. I'm writing one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's that's what I'm going on about. Um, You're going to go and copy and paste it from Philip? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not going to copy, go and copy and paste it from anyone because at the end of I the know. day, yeah. I do want to sit down and I want to get my thoughts out on paper because that's what I find enjoyable about doing it. Especially when you're using your free time to do it. Like- and I'm not even uh, like I'm not getting paid for it. I got given the game code to do the review. You know, I'm not getting cash. I'm not getting anything <laughs> like that. I've been given the game to review as as more of like a fairness courtesy for my time. And then I will go and review it and put it out there into the world. You know, I play, play, you know, a huge, huge portions of the game all the way up to the end, mm. you know, and then I sit down and I spend the next five, it, w- it could be anywhere from three to 10 hours, depending on how like solidified I feel with my journey with the game and then put it on paper, put it out in the world. Because there's no time to sit down and sit there and reading other people's reviews and what they think about the game when I'm kind of like, mm, do I really feel that way about this game? Like, there's no time for that. How, I, do I, how do I feel about the battle system? Was it good? Was it bad? Maybe I should ask someone else or read their reviews. <laughs> but, you know, oh um, I don't have that kind of time. Like the deadline we typically get set is about a week, which I think is fair. You know, if I, if I play a bit each day, then eventually I'm going to come to a conglomerate time where I'm like, that's enough. And, uh, you know, in, in some cases, like, that could be, like, all the way directly at the end, past the final boss and in the end game, or that could just be, like, close enough to the end that you're like, all right, you know, if I if I finish this, uh, I don't want to get too spoilerific and I feel like I could do that. <laughs> um, it really depends on, like, how far I can get through in that time frame. But, you know, in the case of Paper Mario, I definitely will get to the end, I think. Like I'm I'm going pretty much pretty fast about it. Um and I think it's just sort of a case of like I'll get to Thursday and that's my writing time. You know, I'll finish work for the day, I'll finish off a bit more of paper my start writing Thursday night, start writing Friday during the day, give it to Dash for the weekend. Dash puts it out on the weekend. Cool. You know? And that 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 is how it's gonna be. And I don't have the time to skim other people's opinions to, to form my own. No. Nah. And with, with that review, he got lucky too because uh, he basically like ripped off the early access <laughs> review of that game. Yeah. Because like usually like if IGN gets a game, they're getting it before anyone. So, mm. But a lot of the games he reviewed, um, it was like Wolfenstein on Switch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So he could just like rip off other reviews and just say it also runs well or bad. Yeah. So that's that's how he sort of got away with it. But yeah, that's all right. Moving on from Philip because yeah, he's Philip, an asshole. Yeah, mm. Philip offering uh, off other people's work. Yeah, Philip, I uh, hope you go well. Grow um, up in another industry or whatever. But yeah, grow up. You're not welcome. <laughs> well, well. Um, so so next up is a story from Vooks.net, and the title is "New Mario Sports Trademark Trademark Registered by Nintendo in Australia." So a new trademark filed by Nintendo has appeared in the IP Australian database for something simply called Mario Sports. The trademark was filed uh, just last month, but would have only become public last week. The the trademark, uh, like most trademarks by Nintendo, is for electronic video game programs, downloadable electronic video game programs, video game programs, downloadable video game programs, video game cartridges, the list goes on. 
Mm-hmm. So it just shows the trademark here. Um, and I just thought I'd bring this up because it's half exciting because uh, Mario Sports involves soccer, but it's also not exciting because that soccer game isn't Mario Strikers. No. <laughs> and we know from the uh, the 3DS compilation, which is uh, Mario Sports Mix, that it's cool that there's soccer, there's tennis, there's all these different games included in this one package, but each one's sort of just like bare bones and not interesting at all. But so, so if it takes off like if it's a similar game to that 3DS game, this is going to be like not exciting at all. But backing up to my controversial, my con- controversial Mario opinions from those from tweets that were circling around last week, uh, Strikers and Hoops three on three were on par for me in terms of quality. And they were the two best Mario sports games, even past golf and tennis. Despite the fact that I loved golf, I thought it was fantastic. And I played it a shit ton on the 64. Um, And tennis is sort of neither here nor there for me. But yeah, they've only had one. Well, they've only had, um, they've had a smaller amount of soccer games. They've had one basketball game. And that's, uh, Pretty fucking depressing, honestly, because <laughs> they're, the, they're the best ones. It would be awesome to have a strikers. Like we've we've we're, we're going to say that until it happens. Like we want Mario strikers hoops as well. Um, I, the, I could I could I could kill for a hoops game. It's, it's funny because so <laughs> Camelot. Obviously, they finished Mario Tennis. The, the DLC has stopped now, so they're obviously fully onto a new game. A lot of people are expecting or hoping golf because that is probably their. Probably their best game, but the golf never really the golf games never really captured me, so I don't really care about much about Mario Golf. So I'm in the Mario Strikers camp where I'm like, I want Mario Strikers. I I, I like golf. Golf is fun, but I also mm. like the erratic action the erratic action and energy that comes from Strikers and from Hoops. Yeah, you know, and I miss that banging theme. Oh, Mario Hoops round three! Holy shit, that character selects during three. Oh oh oh. oh. <laughs> not doing it any justice but yeah I fucking yeah I love it <laughs> that should be the jukebox what the hell yeah well, I've actually the jukebox at the moment is a um, the museum theme um, from Paper Mario Origami King it's a piano theme it's really it's qu- quite good so do you want to keep it as that or oh, I feel like I feel like I want to find who's three on three mix now oh, I'll, I'll try and find it in the in the meantime alright you do that but we'll move on to the next article which is also by Vooks.net and Joker and Hero Smash Bros. Amiibo launch in September in Australia Last month during the reveal stream for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Last Fighter, Min Min and <laughs> Min Min for the win-win. God damn it. <laughs> you made me read that, Vuk, you bastard. It was Oliver who wrote the story. So, Oliver, if you hear that you heard me read that, I am going to do nothing. Um, <laughs> series director <laughs> Sakurai also showed off two new Amiibo, one for Persona 5's Joker and the other for Dragon Quest XI's Hero. Now they have a release date. Nintendo Australia t- has today revealed that the Joker and Hero Amiibo will be releasing in Australia on the 25th of September, the same date as the launch in Japan, a week before North American gets the figures. There's, they've also posted a short video showing the figures in a 360-degree view for anyone still on the fence about picking one up. And we saw these back in the uh, in the uh, Min Min Direct, but these these look really good. I reckon I'll get the Joker one. The Joker one's really cool. Because I, f- I feel like once I play through Persona 5, I'll be like, man, I really want that Amiibo, but now it's not there anymore. <laughs> so I'll pre-endively pick up 
um, yeah, the Joker, I reckon. It's definitely one of the better design yeah. amiibo in general. What just what makes it is just like the blue flame for the stand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen this in sort of uh, more recent amiibo, but like the first one with Link with like the yellow stand. So like, why did you make the stand yellow? The stand up Link. It's just <laughs> it's yellow. Yeah, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Why why that color? Like you could have made it yellow. any color, any color that it, isn't brown or yellow. It's designer. It's chic. It's piss yellow. Piss yellow. Piss yellow. It's delicious. I love piss yellow. But yeah, the blue flame looks really great as a stand. So I think that's what pretty much makes it. Does, yeah. And moving on to the last story, Bryce. This is from my Nintendo News. And this is just uh, sales figures in the UK for Paper Mario, the Origami King. And uh, the latest uh, UK physical software charts are now available. And Paper Mario, the Origami King for Nintendo Switch, had a decent launch and arrived at number two this week. It was nabbed uh, to the post by Ghost of Tsushima for Sony's PlayStation 4. Paper Mario, the Origami King sales were bigger than the past two Paper Mario games combined. Paper Mario, the Origami King is now the fastest selling game in the Paper Mario, oh, and is now the fastest selling Paper Mario game so far. So here's this week's charts. So the quote from the charts, Ghost of Tsushima's launch sales were four times bigger than the other new game in the charts. Paper Mario, the Origami King for Nintendo Switch. The comedy adventure game still reached number two. And its first week sales are bigger than the launch of the past two Paper Mario games combined. And that is 2016's Paper Mario Color Splash for, on Wii U and 2012's Paper Mario Sticker Style on 3DS. In fact, the first... Jesus, what are you doing over there, bros? Never mind. Keep yeah, going. just having your own party over there. <laughs> In fact, its first week sales narrowly beat 2007's uh, Super Paper Mario on Nintendo Wii, making the new game... Making the new game the fastest-selling Paper Mario game so far. In addition, download sales are not included. Um, Super Paper Mario was not available digitally. Yes, it was. Oh, Super Paper Mario, yeah, for the Wii. And <laughs> and uh, therefore, the Switch game is likely to have been comfortably bigger than its Wii predecessor. So interesting that the Sony's exclusive on the same day was four times uh, the sales of Ghost of Tsushima oh, of Paper Mario in the UK. But I was talking to you earlier, Bryce, like. To be honest, it would be such a shame if Paper Mario outsold Ghost of Tsushima just because Ghost of Tsushima, it got announced years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it's been marketing such... Marketing out the arse. Yeah, it's been marketing out the arse. It's just been really pushing. Um, it's also on a platform with 110, in, like 110 install base, which is like double that the Switch has. Mm-hmm. So, it, and with Nintendo just coming out and going, all right, three months ago, here's a new Mario game. You know, it's not a mainline Mario game People or anything. snatch that shit off the shelves. <laughs> yeah. It would have been like, a bit of a shame for the, the, the PlayStation fan out there or Sony themselves. But regardless, uh, it's going really well. It's had some pretty Paper divisive Mario. reviews, but like I, I'm genuinely interested in it anyway. Uh, Ghost of the Shamer. Yeah. I am too. Um, it was when they announced Paper Mario, I'm like, oh, on the same day, serious. So, you know, Ghost of the Shamer gets pushed to the side and I, I'll pick up that eventually because between then and PlayStation 5, don't really have much coming from PlayStation Studios anyway, so plenty of time to play that. Definitely looks dope. Um, and does, I yeah. think I think the thing that's best about it is the prettiness of like you know the the Japanese backdrop and stuff like that. And you know Japan's receiving it very well for a Western developed game, which is good. And uh, there was that meme floating around for a little bit that's just like, "Hey, great job on your samurai game," says like uh, Dark Souls, and then it's just like, "Thanks, thank great job on your medieval game." <laughs> you know like and I, I think that's great and uh you know what um it just shows that like you can capture that cultural spirit it doesn't matter really matter where you're from and i think both of them 
uh, probably do a very good job at it. Like yeah, Dark, Dark Souls is well renowned. It's it's Japanese developed, but it it really encroaches and like capitalizes on very very well uh, the sort of more medieval times aspect of whether it be like English or you know mm. whatever culture. Um, and then Ghost the Ghost of Tsushima seems to do a pretty good job of that just for Japanese samurai type of Edo Japan type thing too, mm. which yeah. is good. Um, Absolutely. I can't wait for it, man. I reckon it's going to be a lot of fun to jump into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think, uh, but to be honest, I reckon it's a good thing that I am playing Paper Mario in between Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Just like, all right, just break it up a bit. A yeah, bit of colour. Get some fun in you. Get a bit of fun in me. So, oh, that speaker falling off the tree was hilarious. <laughs> now I'm ready for another serious game. <laughs> <laughs> So, bros, I got the uh, Mario Hoops Round Three character select here. Before before we even get into the wrap up, I'm just gonna make sure it's the right one. All right, you do that. Oh, it is. Delicious. Oh yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Good. All right, let's save it. And let's, right, let's go back. Let's go right back. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard that in years, man. Oh my god, I miss it so much. All right, so just a just a shout out to who was gonna be Nintendo Jukebox. It was by Nintendo Music, and it was a a piano cover of the museum theme from Paper Mario, the Origami King. It will more than likely still be used. But we will use it another week. Probably when we finish Paper Mario, I think. I think this is just selfishly for me because I just want to hear this character select music. Because it was banging. It was banging. (laughs) I remember plugging my DS into computer speakers and like cranking it and just letting it play on the select screen. Yeah. It was that good. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Love it so much. Hoops Hoops was an amazing game, and I'm so sad they never really did a proper follow-up to Make it. another basketball game, actually. Make another Mario basketball game. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying, like, if you're going to make Mario sports games, the next need to be Strikers or Hoops. Because, like, on Switch, you can play NBA 2K. You can have it run at 15 frames and have microtransactions just <laughs> falling out of it. Or you could play well, play the game when you're playing as a cactus from Final Fantasy. Yeah, or you could give Hoops the treatment that Strikers got in terms of like visual aspects and style and apply it to basketball and then you've all of a sudden got your NBA jam again. Yeah. But with Mario characters. So like you can play M- you can play like a NBA Playgrounds on Switch but yeah, it's not well, the same. Yeah, no, not the same. No. Like it needs it needs to have its own sort of thing and I feel like they've substituted by offering Mario stuff in NBA Playgrounds. For this, but it's not the same. And Hoops 3 on 3 was an entirely underrated gem. I love pulling off special moves in that game. Pulling off the friggin' pentagram on touch twice, or was it three times? I can't remember. was so goddamn satisfying to do. It was. That was one of the games that really uh, scratched up your DS's touch screen. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. You're just like... And like you had no visual indicator, so you had to be really good at being super fast at it. But at the same time, like pulling off the shape so that it actually registers it properly. And it was really satisfying to do. Yeah. The also thing about that game is it was freaking hard. It was hard. Yeah. The last couple of, especially the last couple of matches against the Final Fantasy crew were difficult. Mm. I'm just thinking about it now. That game was actually made by Square Enix. It was, yeah. So that's another thing, which is just remembering so much about this game. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they had White Mage, Black Mage. Yeah. yeah, That's why they had the- White Mage, Black Mage, Ninja, and Cactua. Yeah. Cactua. And Moogle. So they have five characters from Final Fantasy. Yeah, because back then, like, I had actually no idea what Final Fantasy was. Like, or not was, but, like, didn't really know much about it. Yeah. And I've seen Cactua. I'm like, I love that character. <laughs> yeah, Cactua's great. Yeah. <laughs> just cool. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up, Bryce. Beautiful. Um, and just just before we wrap up, I, uh, I do want to just point out that uh, the roadcaster saved this episode. It actually stopped recording on the computer for whatever reason at 28 minutes. Ooh. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
the roadcaster saved episode 151 of this episode. So thank road. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Uh, that's what uh, this new technology can do for us. It can uh, save fuck ups. Beautiful. So really good. Thank you, roadcaster. Thank you, road. Everyone clap for the roadcaster in your own time. Oh, look at that little clap on the gut. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> so, everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 151. If you enjoy the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast service of choice. You can follow me on Twitter at iDruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario. You can follow Bryce at IV Revan. And like we said earlier in the show, uh, share us on your social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, wherever it's, whatever it is, um, it will really help us out. Really help us out. So thank you very much. And uh, just before we go on, we've got some brand new Patreon producers, which we really want to thank from the bottom of our hearts. So thank you very much to Sam Hay, DJ, and Luke, the bubbly lemonade. <laughs> we talked before, like, you know, should I say Luke? Should I say lemonade? Or should I say Levide? And I thought uh, we'll, we'll combine two of them, Luke, the bubbly lemonade. So, Luke, if you hate that, let us know. We won't say it ever again. But <laughs> thank you, three, for joining us on Patreon at the podcast producer level. Really means a lot to us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And uh, we can keep powering on and doing our thing. Hell yeah. So, Bryce, as uh, everyone is well aware, this week's Nintendo jukebox is Mario Hoop's three-on-three character select. And this might actually be, like, the first just, like, in-game music that we've For done. a while. For, for a, a while. Yeah, but... We don't need a remix for this one. This one is banging as it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario. And until next week, the doors are closed. Catch you later. Bye. Three, 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 three,